Father in heaven, the I am that I am, my Lord God eternal, I simply hand over this service unto you. This message I, ha I hand over to you. You told me something specific on Friday, which is why I have this topic. Father Lord, sorry, on Wednesday, which is why I have this topic. Father, I say that you should instruct and teach that which you have put inside of me in the mighty name of Jesus. Father Lord, that you will lead your people to perfection. The God of perfection, lead your people to perfection. Perfect everything that concerns their life. Father Lord, every area of their hearts today, be it their finances, their marriage, whatever it is, the all-knowing, all-seeing God, perfect it for them today through your word. Father Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, and confirm it with signs and wonders. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Father Lord, do not let them see me today. Let it be all about you. It's all about Jesus. It's not a matter of saying it with my lips. It's a matter of saying it with my heart. It's a matter of saying it with my whole being. That it is all about you. And I surrender all to you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank God in heaven for the opportunity. I also want to thank my father and mother in the Lord. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, mommy. The Lord God will continue to protect you, to guide and guard you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for a prophet and a mama that are not too scared to say, Lord, you can fill empty, any empty vessel. And therefore they said, Ronke, go and speak today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Adadi Ariola, for leading us aright. Thank you, all the ministers of God. And to the people of God, my own family. Hallelujah. Praise you, the Lord. Hallelujah. The topic before me this morning is the glory of God. Why this topic? On Wednesday, I was not in service. But I was glued to Facebook. I only go on to Facebook to watch um, CMCM. So I listened to the message. Very powerful. And a lot of people received their glories back. People were shouting and screaming and were happy. And God said, but they don't understand it. They have received what they don't understand. And I said, okay, daddy, the topic remains the glory of God. The Bible verse remains Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I won't go into as much detail as Wednesday. Because I believe this topic was very well covered. But as God has instructed, I will be very specific. However, to make it very easy to understand, I'll be very quick and I'll explain what Christ in you, the hope of glory is. So let's look at the key words. Christ. What does it mean to have Christ in you? 
I'm sure we all know. It means to be born again. It means you have been redeemed, reconciled, justified, continuing in sanctification. And therefore, Jesus himself, the person, lives inside of you. That is what it means, Christ in you. What does it mean, hope? There are three things for me, Christ, hope, and glory. What does hope mean? When I say hope, a lot of us are expectant, we're expecting something, we're hoping, we're wishing. But you see, scripturally, the definition of hope is very different. This hope that we're talking about is the hope inside of Christ. It is a certain hope. You know when you're hoping, it's not really certain. Like I can say to you, I came to church today and I don't have money for transportation. And somebody asked me, so how are you going to get home? And I might say, well, I'm hoping that Mrs. Akinleye, as an example, is going to borrow me 10 pounds or 10 naira to, um, you know, to go back. And that is very uncertain because it is dependent on her having the 10 naira to give me. It's depending on her remembering to even bring her purse to church. It's also depending on her being willing to part with that 10 naira note. So there's a lot of uncertainty. However, the hope in Jesus Christ is certain. It is the hope of eternal glory. So it is very certain. The hope of rapture, the hope of the second coming, it is all going to happen. On the flip side, while I was the certain one before because I was the one that didn't have the money and that was certain, I didn't have it, I am now the one, it flips and I be, now become the uncertain one. I, so the certainty of God is there, the hope is sure. But I now flip side, become uncertain because am I going to get that hope or not? It flips. Romans 8.18, for I reckon on the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to com be compared with the glory which shall, shall be revealed. Not may, not might, not even will. Shall is a definite word. So it's going to happen. However, am I going to be part of it? So I become the uncertainty. Glory. Glory, glory, the message that God said you did not understand. So a lot of us received our glories back on Wednesday. God said, I should tell you that glory is not an object. What you received back on Wednesday is not an object. You received a person. You received life. You see? This glory belongs to God. Only God owns and has the glory. But God then decided to manifest his glory in his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 Who be the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, 
sat down on the right hand of the mighty, of the majesty on high. So God chose to manifest his glory in Jesus Christ. And then what happens? Jesus, that's why it says Christ in me. Jesus then comes in when you accept him. He lives in you and then you begin to manifest that glory. So it's not yours. But it is yours by right because Jesus is living in you. So the whole of the glory of God manifested is in your body, is in you. So when they said you received your glory back, let me tell you what happened to you. If you had issues, you were ill, that illness was removed so that you can manifest that glory in good health. You see, the glory of God shines. The glory of God shines. So if you're in church today, you're worried, you're unhappy, you're dull. You're not manifesting and radiating that glory. That glory is not something you can hide. So every time, what it is saying is that everything that is pulling it down, demonic oppression, whatever it is, failed marriage, poverty, sickness, is being removed because that glory does not change. And it cannot change because it's not an object. You don't have it losing, have it losing, have it losing. However, it is covered. It is veiled. Jesus Christ himself walked the earth and veiled the glory onto the Mount of Transfiguration. So that glory is veiled. We need to unveil it in the mighty name of Jesus. So what, what do we do? Let us think very, very quickly about how we were created. How were we created? We were created and we have three main parts before we go on. The God of glory. The God of glory, the I am that I am, is already manifesting. The geo of this ministry. There is somebody under my voice. The glory of your family is about to rest on you. But the Lord says you should fast for three days. God is saying don't do anything until you have fasted for three days. So they are calling you, but please don't do anything. The glory of your family means that you'll be the shining one in that family. Oh, because the glory of God is going to be radiating through you. Everybody will see you. Everybody that has pulled you down will now respect you. And everything that belongs to that, this family, you will now control. Because it's the glory of God himself resting on you. In the mighty name of Jesus. So as I was saying, we have three parts. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Why do I think it's necessary to explain it? It's because Christ is in you. There is a certain hope. Then what is disturbing that hope? So I felt if we understand who we are, it might help us. So what is it? We have a spirit, a soul, and a body, and a body like I said. 
This is confirmed in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the can somebody read please? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're going to certainly get this certain hope, which is the final hope of glory, because there's no point me exhibiting this glory now and miss the final one when we pick up our glorious bodies. So what exactly can disturb? And it is saying that the God of peace sanctify us wholly. And he prayed that God, that our spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So what is it? The spirit, if you're born again, Christ in you, we just said it, means you're born again. Means that your dead spirit, our spirit died when Adam and Eve sinned against God. But God, when we were rebirthed and became born again, gave us the life-giving spirit. So we live. It's a spirit that lives in us. So if so be it that you're born again here today, then that is sorted. You have the life-giving spirit. So then what is the problem? Why is this hope still not certain for you and I? It's certain with God. It's going to happen. But you and I, it's not certain. Why? Why? Because the next one, the soul. What is our soul? What is our soul? Our soul is everything that we're made up. Our conscience, our hearts, our mind makes up our soul. And that is why, you know, Jesus Christ said that we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our mind. Why did he not say with all our spirits? Because being born again, you have him. He is God. He is love. So why would the soul not be the same? It is not. And that is why Jesus commanded that that is where you the way you should love. And Paul went on in Colossians 3, 2 and said that you should set your heart on the things above and not on the things on the earth. So you see, there are issues. The mind, the conscience, the heart. The Bible even tells us in the book of Proverbs that out of the heart comes what? The issues of life. So you see, for us to make it certainly, certainly, then we need to deal with the soul. Our minds, 2 Colossians 10, 5, Paul advises, he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought in obedience to Christ. You see, the soul and the spirit are inward. But the soul is the one that we need to nip in the bud so that we are certain that we would get this glorious future that would definitely happen.
My brethren, every time you have a thought, check the word of God. Does it align? Every time an emotion comes, just say, soul, you have started, oh, what does the word of God say about it? There is a woman here. Hallelujah. When you hear that, I expect you to be rejoicing. There is a woman here. Hallelujah. Somebody is about to manifest their glory. What has been keeping them down is about to be taken away. Let us rejoice in this God, the God, the Jew of this ministry. Hallelujah. There is a woman here. You have been vomiting something you cannot explain. Today, not tomorrow, that vomiting is stopping and your life will be restored. The glory of God will now begin to shine through you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will all have time to come out at the end of the service by the grace of God. If so, be it that your hair, that you can't hear me, I will repeat it. There is a woman here, you've been vomiting something that you don't understand. Today, not tomorrow, your life is being restored. Amen. So we have looked at the soul and now we look at the body. Mr. Beautiful Body. We had to wash it this morning, no? Did you have to wash your spirit and your soul? No, we had to take a bath so that it won't start smelling. Mr. Body needs to be dealt with. You see, it's just a housing. It is holding the spirit and your soul. And the truth about it is that it is going nowhere. Do you know where it's going? Can someone tell me? Down six feet. Let us pray that even when it is time and God takes us, they will have time for the six feet. You see, the body has no value after we are gone. So this physical body that we spend so much time on, that we spend all our money on, when they say contribute in church, you don't want to give a penny because of the actual B that we want to take. This body that we are decorating is going nowhere. Philippians 3.21 tells us that we shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So this body is not following us to heaven. And there's a certainty that is going to happen. Rapture is going to happen. But our body would have to be changed. It is certain. So if all of this is it, then what do we really need to deal with? What controls us? It's our soul. And that is why Paul in Romans 12, 1 to 2 advises us. Please, my sister, can you please read? Yes, ma'am. Romans 12, 1 to I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good 
and acceptable and perfect will of God. So basically, what Paul is saying here is that for us to become to go from uncertainty to certain, then we should continue to renew our mind and ourselves, our soul in total by the word of God, preaching, testimonies that we hear, and everything. Our soul we need to constantly deal with. So what he's advising us is that you see our everyday life, when we wake up, when we sleep, we should do everything as unto God. When he says a living sacrifice, if I kill a cow to sacrifice to God, I've killed it, I put it at the altar, it would stay at the altar forever. But he's saying a living sacrifice, which means he's not taking your will and my will away. So he's saying voluntarily, come and lay yourself down as a sacrifice before God. And since you are living and you need to move around, and the life that you now live in the flesh, as, as Paul said, is by the grace of God, then it means our own life must be conformed to the obedience of the word of God. It means everything that we do must be to the glory of God. And when he says a living sacrifice, you can't blame him. Because Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So there is no way it's going to take living out of it. That's why he called it a living sacrifice. You have to make up your mind to do it. And so, the normal regular things, read the word of God, hear sermons or listen to sermons, come to church regularly, and things like that, and we listen to messages every day. Yes, they build up. They build us. But I just felt that we should go into a bit more detail. The first thing is, do we really need at some point to examine our life? Well, the Bible advises that we should. The Bible says that, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed. That's number one. That's 1 Corinthians 10. 12 if you're writing 2 corinthians 13 5 says examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith prove your own selves know ye not your own selves how that jesus christ in you except ye be reprobates so what am i to examine myself how how? What am I going to use to examine myself? Why are things the way things are? There are two that I will tell you very quickly. There are loads more in the scripture. But let's look at Galatians 5, 19 to 20. There's no time to really read it. And also it's paralleled with Proverbs 6, 16 to 17. So I'll just tell you the key things. I need you where you're seated this morning to think about it. Are you a fornicator? You're not married, but you're going around. Adultery? You have not committed it, but you're looking. God says the sin is just by looking, no? Uncleanliness? Lasciviousness? 
Idolatry. Where have you come from this morning? Six o'clock, you've done somewhere. And then, ah, you know what? Let me go to church, oh, and you're here. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. And in Proverbs, the things that God hates, a proud look. You're so proud. Nobody can talk to you. A lying tongue. Before they say one thing, you already have an answer. The answer more suit, and then you need to lie again to cover that one. The hands that shed innocent blood. You don't need to take a knife to kill somebody. So let us this morning review our lives. If you can take one, you sin in one, you sin in all. Let us examine our lives. The second thing, because I know I don't have a lot of time, that I want to look at are what they call the foundation principles in Christ. But before we go to that, hallelujah, there is another woman here. I say when you hear this, rejoice. Because when it is your turn, it means that whatever it is, it would be ditched out before it happens to you. So celebrate God for other people. Hallelujah. Somebody's glory is going to shine again. There is a woman under my voice. You had a dream that you were cut into pieces. These things are real. African magic. Sometimes I think about it and say, wow, things really do happen. You were cut to pieces and the enemy scattered you. But the God of this mountain, the God of this mountain is releasing anointing to gather. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are restored in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So I was saying that we need to examine the foundation. You know, when you build a rock, when you build a house on a shaky rock, when the wind comes, remember the parable? What's going to happen? Yes, exactly. So our foundation in Christ must be sure. If I say, in fact, let us do it. Can everybody please rise? Please rise. Honor God, not me. Hallelujah. If you know you are born again, if you know you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you know you can start from the beginning of Christ in me, you know Christ has to be in you for you to have this certain hope. If you are sure, please sit down. If you are sure that if Jesus comes today, you will make heaven sit down comfortably. If you are not, everybody standing, please come forward. Thank you, Jesus. All glory goes to God. All honor, all adoration. Lord, we worship you and we thank you. Because it's all about Jesus and Jesus alone. It's only his name that will be glorified forever. My brothers and my sisters, 
Do you know what you're just doing? You want to change uncertainty to certain. So at this point, you're about to give your life to Christ. All your sins are forgiven and washed away. So let us do this quickly. Say, Jesus, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming to the earth, for dying, buried, crucified, resurrected, seated at the right hand of God. Thank you for my justification. Thank you for giving me the life-giving spirit this very moment. I am born again and I will be with you forever and forever. Amen. I would have said you should go out. Can you please take their names, give them cards, so that the church can do what they normally need to do. But I won't let you go out for one reason. I'm about to teach the six foundational doctrines that you are meant to know. I'm going to rush through it. I will start it. I'm sure the church will have their own program on how to handle this. And that is why I'll say, please stay in the service. Can we give them chairs in the front? Can we give them special seats? These people of God, heaven is rejoicing. Can we give them special seats, please? Who will vacate their seats for the people of God? The front row. Ministers, please help sort out. Thank you. of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Okay. What we see here is that there's six doctrines that we must understand. If you don't understand it, please go to Hebrews 6, 1 to 2. That's number one. Number two, try and join the Bible school. I believe these doctrines must be taught there. And number three, see a minister of God who understands all these doctrines. 
but I'll run through them quickly. Repentance, we all understand, but there are two forms of repentance. I'm not going to have time to go into details. The first one is what just happened now. God himself draws you. You see, you have no say in this one. God has decided that he's going to win you over and he has decided to draw you. That's what's happened to you, my brethren, at the front of the church. God has just drawn you. That's the first one. The second type of repentance is our daily repentance. That is what I said we're working on our soul so that we have what? Godly sorrow that walketh repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 10. Now, if God has promised us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, why are we still carrying the baggage around? It's because we don't understand that principle. That once he has forgiven, once we do something wrong and we genuinely repent, and he calls that genuinely repentance godly sorrow, then he divides the sin as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. If you don't understand that you're carrying the baggage, do something about it. The second one I'm rushing is faith. Faith in God. Without it, no man can please God. No man can please God. Do you know why? These people in the front, they have not seen God, but they know there is a God. They have that faith of their certainty of the future. What about you that you have given your life all this while? Do you also have that faith? When they're saying to you that you are healed, are you saying, no, I'm still carrying the baggage? Are you calling those things that be not as though they were? Then if you are, what is the issue? What is the issue? Are you double-minded? God said you won't get anything in the book of James. What is the issue? Examine yourselves. Because this God is a good God. At your own time. Read Hebrews 11.1. 1. That's the definition of faith. Substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen. Read the fact that you can only please God through faith. Hebrews 11, 6 to 8. And read Deuteronomy 28, 1. Everything, God's salvation, God's promises, eternal life, rapture, second coming, is all by faith. That's why the Bible says, teach it early. Teach them early. Hebrews 6, 1 to 2. Laying of hands, laying of hands. God said we should teach it. What are you carrying around? Is it somebody else's baggage? Because you see, if we're Christians, the glory of God must radiate and shine through us. And if it is not radiating and it is not shining, then something is wrong. We don't even have the glory now that with Christ being in us, how are we going to get the um, glorious one that is certain? And that is why, what exactly are we doing wrong? You see, laying of hands is when we, um, there's a spiritual transmission. It is the act of placing your hands on somebody and blessing them. It could be for ordination, for blessing, it could be for anything. So what it is, is that it's one Christian transferring the spiritual faith through you and you're allowed 
to do it. Laying of hands. However, however, people of God, for our lives to change, we need to heed the warning. There is a warning. And that warning, Paul gave Timothy. He said, lay hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. So what am I saying? Please be very careful. Who do you go to to lay hands on you? And who are you laying hands on? So you've become a Christian today. Yes, so we're all pastors. We're all priests. We're all this. We're all that. Has God told you to lay hands? Because there is a warning here that if you just lay hands suddenly, you could partake in their sins. You can pollute yourself. So he said we should teach it early. If God has not spoken, don't do it. If God has spoken, please do it. And when you do have it, he also said to Timothy 1 Timothy 4 14, neglect, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying of hands of prophecy. By the press spirit, that's the pastors and everything. So they transfer it to you. You carry it, but be careful. So you're warned. And then, obviously, I've jumped baptism, and I know why. Resurrection of the dead. We're all going to resurrect. Don't walk this life anyhow and think, you know what? Let me enjoy this world. When I'm dead, I'm dead. It's a lie. John 5, 28 to 29. Acts 24, 15. You see, there's going to be resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. And the unrighteous are going to end up in hell. So there is going to be resurrection. So don't walk this life anyhow. Don't do anything anyhow. And think, well, I will enjoy the one here. Don't do it. Why? Because either you're righteous or you're unrighteous, you're going to be judged. There's a book of life. So please go through the Bible and make sure you understand these principles, these doctrines very well. Rapture is real. I will advise all of those who are alive. We don't need to wait for second coming. Let us make sure we don't miss rapture. That is the point where we will want meet God in the sky. That's not the time is coming to the earth. Get your Bible, read it, and understand it. Rapture, Jesus is not coming to take you. We're going to be caught up with him in the sky. That's what's going to happen. But we don't want to wait for the second coming. Please go and read up on the differences of these. Read 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Read Revelations 9.11 to 16. Judgment is real. Second death, permanent death is real. And so we now go to the baptisms. I kept this for last for a reason. I also want to say, my daddies, my mommies, my sisters, everybody, please forgive me. It's not me. Can everybody please stand again to the glory of God, to honor God, to honor the God of my prophet? Please rise again. Thank you. If you have been through water baptism, please sit down. 
Okay. So all the people standing know water baptism. What about my brethren who have just given their lives to Christ? Have you done water baptism? If you have, you're going to have to do it again. So please rise as well. Sorry, ushers, I'm giving you a lot of work to do today. Can you please take their names? And for everybody giving their name, please make sure that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. If you're a regular member of this... Okay, please come forward. Please come forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Water baptism. I give myself away. While that is happening, I'll just tell you. Water baptism was introduced by John the Baptist in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Jesus Christ himself was baptized in water. He didn't have to. He was perfection. But in his humility, he was baptized. And it was at that point that Jesus, that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It signifies the death, burial, resurrection from the dead. That is what it signifies. That we died with Christ, that we were crucified with him, died with him, resurrected with him. It gives us newness of life, Romans 6. The death, burial, resurrection, Romans 6, 1 to 4. Water baptism does not cleanse you from sin. Only the blood of Jesus does. But it destroys the power of sin over your life. Please get it right. Water baptism does not cleanse you from sin, but it destroys the power of sin over your life. So mommies and daddies that are seated, if we're still sinning, what is wrong? And we've been baptized. And this power, we have it, it is living in us. Something is wrong. Please read Romans 6, 1 to 5. Titus 3, 5 which shows that you become a new person. In fact, if I were you, I'll read the whole of Romans 6. That is water baptism. Hallelujah. We praise God. While this is going on, there is a woman here. There is a woman here. There is a woman here. I can't tell you rejoicing. You're feeling unbearable heat in your breast. God says there is an answer for you today. God says there is an answer for you today. The 
glory of God will begin to shine through you. You can see, begin to manifest it in the name of Jesus. There is another woman here. Hallelujah. There is another woman here. You had four children, but you now have three. And the same thing you noticed when you lost one of your children, when you lost your child, you're beginning to notice on the other three children. The Lord has said that we will live, we will not die to declare his glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. You see, we too, we are the what? The workmanship of God created for his glory. That is why Jesus lives in you. That is why the glory of God manifests through us. Hallelujah. So that woman, you, are not, you will not lose your children, you will not lose your children to death in the mighty name of Jesus. There is salvation. We thank God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So we're waiting for baptism in water, immersion in water to clear so I can tell you about the other baptism. There's one more to go, and then we're done. Hallelujah. While that is going on, there is another woman in the house. You are carrying a pregnancy that is not growing. Today, 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 by the grace of God, by the power that is on this altar, the geo of this ministry, the grace of God himself, I release the power, Holy Ghost power into that pregnancy right now. And that pregnancy will begin to grow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. While we're waiting for this to clear, there is also a man in the house. Hallelujah! Women of God, hallelujah! There is a man in this house. There is a night caterer that feeds you. It is stopping right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And everybody who are being fed by night caterers, the power of God on this mountain has removed it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The last baptism that I want to talk about, you see, we need to get the foundations right. If you don't have not experienced this baptism, I am telling you, you are not carrying power. And that is why left, right, and center, the devil is buffeting you anyhow, dealing with you anyhow. And the glory of God is not shining through you. And you know what? Uncertainty might not become certainty. Christ in you, the hope of certain glory. Certain glory. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also introduced by John the Baptist. He said in Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptized you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. 
whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. <laughs> he did not live in John, he lives in you. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire in the mighty name of Jesus. If you don't have this Holy Ghost, I am saying to you that you don't have the supernatural power. Hey, hey. Let me give you an example. A good example is Peter in the Bible. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus said, said ah, no. He denied him three times. <laughs> After the day of Pentecost, what happened to Peter? He became bold. The same Jesus he denied, he went around telling people, he is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Give your life to Jesus. He was able to do that. Why? He was overshadowed by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do you know? How do you know? Can we rise again, please? This will be the last time before I leave. Can we rise again, please? Can we rise again, please? The Bible tells me the benefits of this Holy Spirit. Power. Power. Power over what? What do you need power for? Power is not strength. I'm not talking about that. Power is not mind. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the power God gives you that breaks sin. The power that controls sin. The power that will give you that certain future. That will give you that certain hope. Why? Because it is the power over the nature of sin from the roots. And then what does it give you? Love. Agape love, the selfless love. This is not the love of, you know what, I like you today, but you offend me. Ah, who is that one? Who is that? Do you understand? That's not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about the selfless love. The love of God himself. The agape love. The sacrificial love. I'm talking about that. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. He registers it on the inside that you begin to understand it. What again does it do? He gives you a sound mind. So you have control over life. Not that every sin. Ah, what are they doing now? Yahoo, Yahoo. Mm, let me go there. What are they doing now? Ah, witchcraft. Oh yeah, let me do it. I can do it at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Then I'll come to church because they will pay my school fees. So, so I'm still coming to CMCM. I have to come. Why? Welfare will give me food now. Let me come. But at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'd go somewhere. Or I leave church and I'm going straight there. I've collected the food. Oh, and then I'm going off to go and do something else. You see, this Holy Spirit makes sure that we don't do all of this. And that is why I want to ask you. Because there is an evidence when you have it. If you know that you cannot speak in tongues, if you can speak in tongues, rather, let's do it the other way. If you can speak in tongues, please sit down. It's the first sign that you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you can speak in tongues, you know you are before God. You are before the altar of God. If you can speak in tongues, please sit down. Okay. Now, my mommy's daddy's sisters, look at me. You see the first sign that the Holy Spirit is in you is that you can speak in tongues. 
This speaking in tongues is speaking in what other language? Sorry. If the joy of the Lord is in you, if the joy of God is in you, it also means you have this baptism of the Holy Spirit, but maybe you don't know it. If the joy is in you, you also have it, but you don't know it. So how? When Jesus Christ was living, he promised, he said in Acts 1.8, that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witness unto me in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's baptism. And then what happened? He told his disciples, don't go anywhere until you have received it. Why? They're only going to go about like Peter did, denying him. There was no power, no boldness. And so the Bible tells us Acts 2, 1 to 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And we all know what happened after that. They all spoke in other tongues. And what happened? They went out. How do we receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Sorry, I'm rushing because of time. I'm so sorry for overspending my time. Basically, how do you receive it? The first thing is that you can receive anything from God by faith. Because what? It is all available. So if you want it, you want to speak in other tongues so that you are speaking mysteries unto men. They don't understand you, but God understands you. And then most times we pray and we pray and miss. But the Holy Spirit knows the job you are meant to get, knows the children you are meant to get, knows that you are meant to do this and that. Do you understand? So at the end of the day, we give you glory and adoration. Do you understand? And through the laying of the hands. So if you want to receive it today, for example, people in Jerusalem, the Ephesians church, everybody, they received it by the laying of the hands. So all of these things are being taught in the discipleship class. Please, who teaches this in the discipleship class? I need you to please come out so that everybody can recognize you. So they know who to go to. Because a lot of confusion in church, people don't know who to go to. They go home and they remain the same. Who teaches this in the discipleship class? The six foundational doctrines of Jesus Christ. Who teaches it? Okay, the teachers are coming out so that you can identify them. Okay, okay. if you want to join the class, please step forward. You want to... Okay, they meet 7 a.m. on Sundays. Please come out and put your names down. Please, please, your names. If you want to join the discipleship class, Seven o'clock every Sunday. I can see people sitting down already. That why would I come to church at seven o'clock? <laughs> Please come out and put down your names if you want to join the discipleship class. All these.
these things will guarantee this expected future, this certain hope of glory. Okay, so what we're going to do now is for all the people who cannot speak in tongues, who want to speak in tongues, can you please rise up again? All the ministers will come out and we'll pray together. And Holy Ghost fire is going to take over. If you want to speak in tongues, please stand up again. All the people who were standing before. Holy Ghost is going to go. It's going to go through this audience. And it's going to give utterance. And the power will come upon you. And you will begin to speak in tongues. So when you don't want your neighbors to understand your prayer, you will just go on. And you will start speaking in tongues. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ministers of God. Can we please come out. And in one accord. Pray for these people to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. 